Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Ballers! Welcome back to Today in Sports Betting. I am Devin Ellington at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. This is a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com, part of the hoop ball family. Like I said, this is today in sports betting. How are you doing? I'm hanging out. And I'm hanging out today with a buddy of mine. We're going to talk some stuff. I won't tell you what because we're just going to get into it, but we're going to talk it. Anywho, went one and two on my KBO picks last night, this morning. Doosan and Latte came through with the over, as they always do. Two of the worst bullpens and some of the most powerful bats will do that. And I lost on the first inning tie between Samsung and Kai Woom. I was really depending on Kai Woom to come in clutch, and they did not. They ended up getting blown out by the Lions. Anywho, right now I would be doing my MyBookie read if they were uh, doing the sponsorship, but weird stuff's going on right now, COVID. So right now, like I've mentioned in the past, this is my time frame of the show where I've dedicated it to something good. Like I'm trying to find a fundraiser or a charitable cause that someone is building or working on out there. doesn't matter where it is. I'm just hoping to try to help get some more exposure to it and maybe bring some uh, more viewership and eyes into uh, the good causes that some people are working on out there. So if you or a family member or a friend or a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend's family member knows anyone doing something good around the neighborhood, let me know on Twitter, uh, through email, Devin Ellington, 1992 at gmail.com. And uh, we'll go from there. I'd love to uh, spotlight that. Transitioning, we are going to uh, pull the curtain back a little bit now. And I am going to introduce not only a buddy of mine, but a cohort and a companion in NFL and all sports related things. Aaron Passau, you can find him at Twitter at A underscore 
pass out, and that's P-A-S-S-O-W, of the Tailgate podcast, founding father of that. And he went to Iowa, but I'm going to let him dig into that. Oh, Iowa Central. So, all right, here. Here's Aaron, guys. Listen up. Uh, thanks for having me on, Devin. Uh, yeah, like I said, from the Tailgate podcast, um, went to Iowa Central Community College for broadcasting. I uh, got into that through my love of sports. <clears throat> I knew that they were a student-run radio, radio station, so uh, – they covered all the football games, basketball games, everything at the at the college. So I thought that was the best opportunity close to home. It is in my hometown, Fort Dodge, Iowa, to uh, cover some sports. And when I when I got there, there was uh, another very very talented broadcaster there named Dan Corey, who was the sports director at the time. He now covers the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers in Lincoln. Uh, and uh, he kind of showed me the ropes. And in my second year, I took over his position as sports director of, of the station. And that's where uh, really the tailgate got its, got its name. My uh, Sunday night sports show, we called it the Sunday night tailgate. And it was uh, five of us, four to five of us, depending on the week, uh, just going all over all things sports for a couple hours. Um, we had a lot of fun with it. And uh They've carried on that tradition. Uh, my good friend Drew Kelly was followed up, and now he's covering sports in Wisconsin. And uh, also uh, Trevor Rice, who covers a lot of uh, Big South and uh, some of the smaller conference college football teams for an ESPN affiliate down there. Um, so through all that, I mean, I didn't end up Going into radio afterwards, I, I tried for some internships and then just kind of got into the service industry doing bartending and people recommended for a long time that I start a podcast and uh, through my friendship with Ty, uh, working in bars with him, uh, we got really finally got motivated to do that and we wanted to base a show around guys who were in the industry uh, that like beer, like, like sports. And uh, that's kind of the basis for our show. We're, we're going to focus on craft beer, especially in the Kansas City area, because I do think it's a great hub for craft beer and uh, have a lot of different opinions on sports, because I, I like to keep the show where there's lots of different fandoms. Uh, so, yeah. So with that being said, that reminded me of something that I've always thought to be true. And, you know, thanks again also for doing that draft show with me. And, uh, you know, that was just really enjoyable. Um, it was my second year with you guys. So one thing I'm going to have you do is uh, break down the draft game and kind of the origins of that because it was something unique I'd never really heard of. It's got elements of, like, fantasy football, mock GMing. Um, it, it's like a celebration of the draft almost. And whenever I heard it and Ty first asked me, you know, a couple of years ago if I was interested in it, I jumped all over it and uh, – I'm looking forward to year three already next year. So I'm going to have you talk a little bit about that, break it down and where it came from. So through Ty and I's friendship at, uh, <clears throat> uh, at Barley's a couple of years ago, we uh, realized both of us were uniquely very intrigued with the draft process. We were both guys who. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Barley's is a local uh, 
hub, a nice restaurant with 99 taps of beer on the wall. Absolutely. Uh, so we both were guys who always watched a good portion of the combine. We were enamored with the draft process. So Ty mentioned that uh, in college, he and his roommates and buddies would play a drinking game centered around the draft and kind of do their own mock drafts and uh, bet drinks basically uh, on picks. I was like, well, that's, that's kind of a unique thing that we could, I think we could turn that into a, something else. And we both together came up with rules, uh, basically uh, alternating picks. The first year, it was, I think, only four of us playing. So we just had alternating picks. And uh, it, I don't, honestly, we don't even remember who won the first year. We're pretty sure it was the uh, Harry, who was, knew nothing about football. Oh, Harry, Harry Watson. Watson. Yeah. yeah. He, he probably did the best of all of us. But uh, the rules have have changed a lot over the years. And, and for those of you who don't know Harry, I'm going to paint a picture of Harry. <laughs> Harry is a – he's an English fellow. And he's located in the middle of America, yes. and Harry loves beer. Uh, he is a uh, partner, a smartass, and then a partnering manager in a new, newer local uh, brewery here in Kansas City called City Barrel. And so he, he's a funny guy. He's a, he's a little smaller. He's about 5'8", real, real, real peppy and up, and um, – he definitely likes to drive his points home with his uh, English mentality. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, Harry's an interesting character. He actually just moved to Minnesota. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, but yeah, he's a good, good fella. He didn't know anything about football, and he kicked our ass at the draft just by looking at a sheet of paper and not knowing any of the positions. So uh, from there, we it, it evolved. We we came up with kind of. A uh, new point system, the five points for a correct pick, three points for getting a correct position but not the right player, then one point, I think, or for correct side of the football but not the correct position or player. Um, but it's still even evolving from there. We've come up with concepts that we want to implement for next year. That Are, would you be willing to highlight or showcase or – maybe drop a little preview on that or yeah okay uh, the the biggest one that i agree with that we're gonna probably implement next year came from grant actually he uh he just he told us that not every pick should be worth the same amount there's the mm -hmm. picks should be weighted based on how difficult the pick is so later in the draft it's harder to pick the right player as opposed to the top of the draft so getting the number one overall pick correct shouldn't be worth the same as getting the number 32 pick um so i think we're going to do that um we're and then the steel was changed a little up this year right the steel in gen yeah it basically became a, a bet instead of being uh all or nothing for both players it's more the team that's stealing or challenging your pick is more putting their five points against your five points and if either side gets the correct pick they get all 10 points which wasn't how we did it in the past, but I, th I think that I like that that change this year. Yeah, and uh, just to backtrack a little bit here, uh, Grant Tower uh, is who he was referencing to, and Grant Tower is a owner of a, a local um, restaurant 
uh, a former employer of mine here in uh, downtown, right on Main Street, where the streetcar goes right by the building. Uh, it's uh, Taps on Main. Uh, if you come into Kansas City, right on Main Street, 17th and Main. Yeah, in the interim, that is actually where we are broadcasting the Tailgate podcast. Uh, we're going to have basically a, a studio at my house that we're building, that we're kind of building right now. But for the time being, yeah, we, we appreciate Ty and Grant letting us use that location to, to broadcast the, the podcast. That's been a real help. And Grant, honestly, was probably one of the most impressive people at the draft <laughs> this year. He really went for the throat. Yes, he, he wanted, he, and he could have run it up even more. He could have. Uh, you you want to talk about the, it was the, there was a Jordan Love thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he nailed the Jordan Love pick and they didn't challenge or yeah it was our pick yeah and they didn't challenge it and had they we would have lost by darn near triple digits <laughs> i we were getting our asses kicked at that point yeah it was um we had some tough picks yeah. it was coin flip picks with some teams we had the even number picks yeah. in the draft and that's on, um, that's on me uh <laughs> i actually won the coin flip for the to get to choose which set of picks we would have and when I looked down the board, for some reason, I liked the, the, the evens a lot. And I think a lot of it had to do with trades as well. And like you said, the kind of flip of the coin picks, we added up at the end the picks that we would have gotten right had we went with our gut or went with a different opinion on our team, we would have been right ended at the end. I think we would have actually been leading had we gotten those picks. Yeah, because those picks, the guys that were actually drafted, they were the our number two, our weighing option. So it was right. it was uh, yeah. really, really, really close. We, we almost had a perfect run for about 10 picks. Um, so I wanted to highlight the Tailgate podcast again. We kind of talked about the birth of it. Um, the current stages in it are in a metamorphosis at the moment just in the sense that there's a whole lot more that's going to be coming of it. And with that being said, there's a Facebook page. There's also a Twitter account. Ooh, I, is there not, not a Twitter account? Okay. Yet. We are, not yet. We are gonna... But there is a website that is, uh, the domain is uh, nearly locked in on. No, we have the domain. We, uh, a good friend of mine is actually building the website for us right now so that we will be able to, uh, stream onto Spotify and a lot of different other platforms. We're going to be on uh, Apple Podcasts. We'll be on uh, SoundCloud, YouTube. We'll have our videos on Facebook. Uh, all of that will be set up very soon. We have things in place for all that. But uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to get going. And it will definitely be more than just football coverage. I know we've the first few have been centered – mainly around the NFL draft, but that was the biggest thing in sports for two, for the last two months, uh, the buildup for that. And then the repercussions afterwards, other than free agency, there was nothing else to cover. And it's one of the things that we love to cover. So we've got to go to eight hours of content out there just on the NFL draft. And all of that is on the tailgate podcast page on, on Facebook. Yeah. Eight hours of draft coverage. I re I remember mostly of, most of those eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, again, folks, just reminding you, this is Aaron Passal joining me on uh, Today in Sports Betting, talking the Tailgate podcast, some NFL stuff, and the future uh, 
of which podcasting in Kansas City for him might look like. Um, and, uh, you know, just a reminder, uh, at A underscore pass out P-A-S-S-O-W on Twitter. And, of course, I'm at D-A-L-A-007 um, at Hootball Gaming. So we're going to kind of transition over to something I'm a little excited for. I always like the late round value picks or the smaller school guys that kind of go in uh, peculiar situations in the draft. And so I figured we'd break down some late round guys after the third round and just kind of, you know, you know, familiarize the listeners like who, where from, where they went, and then um, talk about, you know, why, you know, maybe it be in a position, lack of depth at their uh, position, or, um, you know, just a um, team chemistry with the prospect kind of thing. So first, I'll let you go ahead and throw one of your guys out there, and then I will counter. Uh, I know that we've talked about it a few times, you know, that I'm going to bring up, but I, and through, the, through talking about the draft, you, you know that I like to Talk about my Iowa guys, but uh, Geno Stone uh, to the Ravens. Seventh round pick. Seventh round, one of the best safeties in college football last year. Uh, a stat that I threw out there last time we broadcast, gave up only nine first downs in, in coverage in his career, which it wasn't like he was not seeing the field. Yeah. He, he played – he was a starter for three years. Three-year year starter, yeah. 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 He, uh, he was – I think it's just a little bit about his size. Uh, he's only about 5'9". But man, he he is a missile getting to the football, and I think a little bit of the safety depth in the draft too, the mid, especially in the middle to later rounds. Uh, you saw guys like Kyle Duggar in the second round, and then Ashton Davis and guys like that. And I think his size is the only thing that I can think of that would that's hold it, that pushed him back. But that is a a slam dunk pick that I think could turn into a starter in a few years for the Ravens. Funny thing about, excuse me, funny thing about Geno Stone is, um, you know, I think I've referenced this in the show before, but I do a uh, dynasty Madden franchise with the Dolphins and I'm here, I'm in year 2032. I drafted Geno Stone in the uh, fifth or sixth round and he ended up becoming like a 95, like ex prototype player. So, Hey, if it happens, it's because of me. <laughs> Giving them that good juju. Then. Right, yeah. right. Um, well, one of mine is a small school guy uh, out of Ball State, and that's Danny Pinter, offensive guard. Um, the Colts took him in the fifth round. I like this kid. I think he fell just because the interior offensive line class was a little lacking. It had a definite drop-off from the top-tier talent. And then also, um, you know, Small school, Mac, Maction. It's not getting a ton of, uh, you know, viewership unless it's me talking about them every day when the college basketball season was going on. But um, he's got a little bit smaller arms. He has a small, tiny T-Rex complex. But he, he's strong and powerful enough that once he gets his hands on you, um, you're not going to move him off his spot. Uh, he's good with his hips. He's sturdy through his core. And his footwork is really, really nice. Um, some of the best in the interior offensive line after the top uh, end talent, if I had to say so myself. Um, he's a really good prospect. Bell State was uh, pretty efficient on the run game uh, last year. So um, look for that 
as a strong suit that he can offer uh, the franchise uh, of the Colts. And so you took a seventh rounder as your first guy. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go with another seventh rounder for your second? Uh, no, I'll, I'll say Bradley and I was, an, was my other guy. Fifth round uh, guy with, that we had a top two round grade on. I believe second round grade is, is what we had on him. Uh, and just a great value pick. And he's definitely going to see a lot of, a lot of t- time in that rotation with the Cowboys D-line. Um, they need – a guy like him, they uh, kind of can be the stand-up pass rusher that Mike Nolan likes to have in his defense. Um, but, yeah, I think that was a slam dunk pick for the Cowboys. Yeah, they um, had a lot of guys fall to them in this draft. Um, C.D. Lamb specifically in the first. Uh, there's no way Bradley and I should have went as late as he did. I'm not sure why. Maybe because of the, the slow 40. Yeah, the slow 40. Um, I'm sure less media coverage and then other stuff as far as just COVID-19 happening probably didn't help his draft stock like it did a lot of guys. Well, mine is going to be an offensive player. Um, So I went on the offensive side of the ball for both mine. That's Colin Johnson, the receiver uh, out of um, Texas in the fifth round to Jacksonville. I like this because there's a lot of reps, routes, uh, targets and receptions vacated from this Jacksonville receiving core. Um, they need guys to step up and, you know, fifth round value. Like this is a pretty good flyer in my opinion. He's a big bodied receiver who flies down the field sub four, five, if I'm not mistaken, four, four, seven, I want to say real long arms, real long strides. Uh Catch radius is pretty good, even though he did have some drops. I think uh, it's just a, uh, you know, coaching and uh, just, you know, looking the ball all the way in, just uh, reminding him of his fundamentals. Um, Yeah, needs to refine himself on that. But he can uh, go over the top and run the uh, top three, four branches of the route tree. Uh, Could definitely crispen it up, though. He also is pretty aggressive in run blocking on the edge. Good for screen games, bubbles. Um, and he's all speaking of that uh, rack. He can run after he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, like I said, he's got those long strides. I like to think of him as a very cheap man, Walmart version brand of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, not as uh, good of a high pointer, I think, but he's an aggressive catcher. And he definitely has a catch radius that I would say is probably above average for guys that went in that area of the draft that he did. So I like this pick because I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to need some guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's more than a camp body, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, to bring up a guy that we'll talk about later, too, he's being paired with LaVisca Chenault. And uh, if they can use those two guys in the right way, then that could be could develop into a very good tandem in that receiving core. I, I like LaVisca to be kind of a, a Debo Samuel or yeah, Debo Samuel type player. And I mean, Colin Johnson, more the big body guy who can go down the field, catch jump balls. It's kind of, uh, it's like, um, you know, they drafted these two young receivers and I just watched the Lynn Swan and uh, John Randall uh, NFL uh, documentary so uh, one went early one went late to they're both uh, similar in some ways but completely different in others so 
think it'd be kind of cool to see the development of these young Jacksonville uh, receivers, these two specifically. So <clears throat> we uh, talked about some late round guys that got some good value as far as our eyes went. Now, there was um, some really good drafts. There was some really bad drafts. And then there's probably some drafts that not a lot of people are really talking about. They just kind of were, you know, they were what they were. And, um, but, you know, as far as team addressing needs, they probably should be getting a little bit more praise. So, um, Aaron, I'll let you throw your team out here that you think had um, a pretty good draft that needs a little bit more praise and is going under the radar right now. I think uh, the New Orleans Saints' first two rounds were under very underrated. Uh, taking um, Cesar Ruiz in the first round to help sure up an offensive line that's protecting an older quarterback and then going to be transitioning into a new quarterback uh, next year is, is huge. A, a young quarterback having a good center to be able to call out uh, – where the mic is get your whole offensive line in line is it's going to be huge for them going forward, but also great for breeze to have a young energetic young lineman to uh, protect him in his probably his last year in the league. And uh, then Zach Bond, I mentioned him a lot as being one of my favorite prospects in the draft. The guy's just everything he does on film he, his hands, his foot, footwork, everything. He just plays that position so well. I can't even fathom why he dropped to the second round. Honestly, he was kind of a late riser, but I, having him available that late in the second round is incredible. The only thing I heard was the diluted sample. Uh, I mean. Which, which doesn't even mean anything in the current league. If he, if he, right, right. If it, unless it's PEDs, mm -hmm. which – I think they even said it was more long thought to be along the lines of a marijuana test, which right. he didn't even get put into the the system for it because that stuff isn't tested for anymore. Like, so that's fair, but that's not going to affect him in his career, in my opinion. But right, absolute steal for the Saints and right. in, in his value. Yeah. Um, Huge. He was one of my favorite linebackers, and he just kept continuing to fall, and I was questioning why. And I, I just – there were so many teams that needed linebackers that kind of just continued to pass on him, yeah. and I was pretty shocked, to be quite honest. I thought the Packers were going to take him even, you know, being a Wisconsin kid um, in the first round. I thought, you know, that was when I had him penciled in there for them, uh, as well as um, Jalen Rager a couple times. Um, so other than those two – picks that the Saints made uh what other did you like did you like the Andy Troutman pick yeah yeah he's I think he has potential to be one of the best tight ends if in that drafts if not the best um I and you look at what Breeze has done with those type of big body tight ends I mean Jimmy Graham played very little football in college and played one year at Miami before uh after he switched from basketball to football and then was a superstar for a couple of years for the Saints, kind of fell off with your Seahawks and hasn't been the same for a while. But I honestly credit that to, to Breeze and how that yeah. offense used him. I, I, I never thought that the, the Seahawks was the right fit for him. But with that Troutman, I, I think that's going to – a tight end, a good tight end can be a quarterback's best friend. That's going to be great for Breeze and, like I said, yeah. for 
Jameis Winston or whoever the Saints predecessor predecessor yeah the next quarterback going forward is and they still have Jared Cook on the roster right I believe so yeah, yeah so yeah. some exciting two tight end sets definitely uh, another weapon for Drew Brees um anything else on the Saints in that under the radar draft that they had they were actually one of my considerations so yeah, yeah I I think those two those three picks I should say were really the reason why I why I chose them in, in that sense I I think with how few picks they had, nailing those three was huge. And in my, you, you never know until they see the field, but on paper it looks like a fantastic right. draft for a team that didn't have a lot of picks. Right. They had to capitalize on what they did have. So I, I agree with you. And so my team was the New York Jets in a division that's about to turn over. Um, it was important that they hit this draft. And um, to be quite honest, I – I don't know who to accredit it to, if it was Adam Gase or someone else. But if it's Adam Gase, I'm probably going to have to start changing my opinions about him here soon. But um, TBD, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what the season brings. If he takes him to the playoffs and 11 wins, uh, we'll, we'll see. But that's not going to happen. Um, so starting off, their first pick, they had Mekhi Becton uh, come to them. Uh, a lot of people – me included, I thought that he was going to be in that uh, fourth spot to the Giants. I thought that's who Gettleman fell in love with. They ended up taking Andrew Thomas instead, a similar player, uh, bigger, two of the bigger guys in the draft. Um, of course, Tristan Wirfs is an animal and up there, but um, as far as length and um, – There was oddly a lot of weird I – th- I think they put out a lot of information to try to get teams to try to trade up. Uh, because I, when researching the uh, Giants pick, you could find articles that said, oh, they fell in love with Tristan Works, so they mm-hmm. fell in love with this guy. I think they tried to play that card to try to get another team that was maybe like really wanting a certain guy, and it just didn't work out that way. Because, yeah. like I said, there was just so much information on who they liked the most out there. And when there's that much, it's, I, I think the team's putting stuff out. And it seems like every guy that was talked about was like their guy, you yeah, know, exactly. like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I fell victim to that because yeah. I fell into the Mackay Becton stuff. And I personally, I liked Becton as a player coming out of Louisville, you know, that whole line was atrocious. So to see him stick out, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought that was neat. Um, but, you know, moving on to the second round, you know, what I like most and commend the Jets most for in this draft was not the patience, but just kind of the discipline of it, the way it, the draft uh, built around them. They were in some really uh, austerous situations and positionings that were a little peculiar. So I think what they did, um, they didn't panic. Um, they, I thought they could have went receiver where they did just because in the grouping of play, or teams right there that needed receivers – I thought maybe they would try to help Sam Darnell out and get another playmaker, but instead they sure up his, uh, his line. And then this is the pick where they got him a playmaker is they let Denzel Mims fall all the way down to number 59 receiver out of Baylor who can go ahead and just completely take the top half of the defense right off in an instance. He's a really good route runner. He could work on his breaks and getting a little bit more separation, but I think what you see is deceptiveness with him and his route running. He's got good hips. He can kind of West Welker it at times, especially on the top end of the route tree. 
where he gets that last little bit of uh, deep speed acceleration uh, separation. But his intermediate and short game routes, he could use a little bit more work on his separation. But where they took him, this was a really good value. Um, you know, there, this is another guy. I just I'm not sure why he slipped so much. Um, you know, maybe you have some insight on it, Aaron. Yeah, no, I I am I was as puzzled on draft on draft day that he wasn't taken first round. I heard a lot of buzz about teams later in the first round liking him a lot. Um, I don't. I, maybe it is the intermediate routes. We did see that last year with uh, DK Metcalf falling to the second round for the same reasons, with incredible size and strength and all that, just like Denzel Mims kind of has. Uh, I do think that that's a, a great pick for Sam Darnold and that offense. He's also a guy who can just go up and get a ball, huge catch radius. And I, I love that in a player, especially with a, a younger quarterback who does throw some erratic throws that can be huge. So I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, it was a it was a really really nice pick, and then they followed it up with Ashton Davis out of Cal, the safety in the third round. This was um, just one two three. You know they they needed stuff, and pairing this kid with uh, Jamal Adams, um, I, I like this combination. Um, this kid's a tackle machine. He can dissect the play very quickly. He's very intuitive and instinctive. And I think having the brute force of Jamal Adams and the turnover machine he is next to him is going to help him out and allow him to uh, range and roam and dissect and help the other components of the defense out and strengthen the things around him uh, a little bit better as well. And I'm going to fast forward a little bit down because the Jets did have some uh, an abundance of picks. Um, just to highlight a, a coupling of players here, just a grouping um, I'm going to talk a little bit about their later picks. They had uh, three fourth rounders. And just to real briefly, quickly go through those, Michael Pirine running back out of Florida. This is a good pick in the fourth round. Kid was productive at Florida behind an, uh, a shoddy line. And uh, quarterback troubles and in-and-out coordinators. Health, though, health. He needs to stay healthy and work on pass protection a little bit more, in my opinion. But then they went ahead and got a nice raw prospect and Cameron Clark, the guard out of Charlotte. This guy is just a hog molly uh, mauler. He just, you know, I, 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 I want to coin the term, but I can't because it's 40 years late, but roadhouse. Like he just like, he throws people, he throws them. Yeah. And the club is the line of scrimmage. And uh, <laughs> he, yeah. Anyways, uh, my favorite Jets pick though, hands down Bryce Hall, the cornerback out of Virginia, they needed secondary help and they addressed it with Ashton Davis and then they needed cornerback help specifically and they got good length and good instincts with uh, this pick out of Virginia. Um, playing in the ACC, tough competition. So this kid's got the pedigree. Yeah, also a player that was directly affected by COVID-19. Uh, I think the main reason why he fell was not having proper medicals on him because – of COVID-19 and can't get to a doctor to get updated medicals. Uh, could have justified taking him in the second round uh, with the Denzel Mims pick and no one would have batted an eye. Uh, but incredible value and in the fifth round, wow. You know, between this kid and uh, the seventh round pick of um, Gino, Gino Stone, I, I think that these two 
uh, guys right here could possibly have the biggest pop and um, have a really great season if things fall their way uh, through camp, stay healthy. Uh, you know, I wish that for every player that's trying to make their living and their career and uh, entry into the NFL. Um, so th that's huge. You know, I think this is a great fit. They needed it. And, um, you know, he, he was already on that side of the country. So, you know, you know, he can play in the cold. Um, so we'll see. I think it's a good pairing. You know, you got him, you got Bryce Hall, uh, then you go ahead and move over and got Ashton Davis there and Jamal Adams. They just need to find another uh, corner on the right side and then try to see if they can't develop a nickel corner to help sure things up. Um, so those were some under-the-radar successful drafts. Um, Aaron went with the Saints hitting on the spots that they definitely needed to and not missing and whiffing with the limited amount of picks that they had. I went ahead and talked a little bit about the abundance of the Jets picks. They had a lot of picks to mess up, but I think they limited, uh, they controlled, crowd controlled really well. And, um, you know, they went ahead and hit value as well as getting some of their guys and finding some really raw, pure uh, athleticism and talent. So there was... um. You know, some late round guys we prefaced a little bit earlier in the show, but, you know, I saw this question. We, we, we were baffled, and I think we can maybe just give the easy answer of chalking it up to COVID-19, but um, there were some guys on draft night and then throughout the draft, just, why the slide? It just makes no sense. Why, why are these people sliding? And I know we prefaced Zach Bond a little bit earlier, uh, but we can dig in a little more on him because if you are not familiar with the guy, he, he's – He's talented. Uh, but the guy I really like in this, in the slide, is Lloyd Cushenberry. And this is easy because positional depth, you know, there were a lot of interior offensive linemen, but there weren't really good ones. There wasn't, you know, after the first two, two and a half, it, it, was, it was shoddy. It was rough. It was, it, there was some good – I think after Matt Hennessy um, and maybe Matt Pert, um, those were my comfort zones. I liked Lloyd Cushenberry. I think he's just a little more clumsy than I, and not as agile as I want my linemen to be, especially on the interior, getting pushed around, getting thrown into other uh, teammates, disrupting the whole pocket of that part of the line. Um, so that's who you know. I, I think it's just because of the class itself. Um, he was on a talented LSU line. He might have been helped by other uh, guys around him. And I think that might be uh, some of the negative breakdowns from his isolated film. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. I, I honestly think a lot of it is just the talent of this draft class. It was a very, very talented class. And yes, he was on a very good, talented offensive line. But <clears throat> when you're more of a center, centers already don't go high. There was, already, there was one draft in the first round. There's usually one or two drafted per round. And not playing that premier uh, outside offensive lineman or even a, a premier guard position probably hurt him too. But I still think it's a great pick. Uh, he's a good player, very productive offensive line, one of the most productive offense in college football history. Uh, I think that he'll outperform his draft position by far. He's a good player. Uh, <clears throat> but going to LaVisca Chenault is my another guy that we're asking why why did he slide? He was a guy who rose up and to be called as as high as number uh, 
wide receiver four is as high as I saw him. And then he kind of fell back a little bit. So the hands aren't as big as people were expecting at the combine. Uh, he's a guy that if you get him in ball in space, he's going to do a lot of damage. He can also go up and get any ball. Uh, but, you know, I just think the talent of the wide receivers in this class kind of kind of hurt his stock a little bit. And that's that's it. Like it, he's he's going to be a great player, in my opinion. But the guys that were picked ahead of him, you can justify almost every single one. Now, real quick trivia time. It's not like real trivia. It's just like a guessing game because I've got a player in my head, and I'm thinking about Lavisca Chenault. And as you were talking, I had an epiphany of a player comp. It was another. AFC South wide receiver. Um, I, I'm, you got me. I have no idea. Andre Johnson. Okay. I can see it. Yeah. Kind of a. If his hands were like, like you said, bit, the, the, bigger, if his yeah. hands were a little bit bigger and yeah. if he had like maybe another inch. Yeah. But his playing style, like when you uh, yeah. talked about him getting an open field, like especially over the middle. I think that's uh, he. He makes some really tough contested catches there over the middle. And if you think back on Andre Johnson, just that mentality it takes to go in there, being a bigger guy, knowing you're probably going to get popped. Yeah. This the stats didn't pop his last year in college because kind of used him differently. They they very much tried to get him the ball in space. Used him as uh, kind of a wildcat sometimes. They so I mean that was just not knowing initially not knowing a lot about the prospect during at the beginning of the process I remember being like man I don't, I don't get the hype and then when you watch the film you, you you'll get it like he's he's he can be a very big impact player if used correctly watch his 2018 tape mm-hmm. um you you notice the whole offense kind of changed they lost a lot of guys from 18 to 19 so there was a lot of talent lost and holes created so they were reliant on him uh, kind of like what Brandon Cooks did or Oregon State did with Brandon Cooks from his second to last season to his last season. Um, he was always that gadget player, but they needed him in different ways. So I think it kind of stifled his production. And a lot of people, uh, teams around the country, probably keyed on him being a focal point of their offense and the, well, at times the only point of their offense. Um, so those were guys that slid that we were trying to justify. We still kind of liked, you know, it's not, um, these guys aren't going to be hall of famers, what we're saying, like right away, maybe, but you know, uh, there was reasonings for the slide and we, we thought we'd give our opinions on it. And so this next part of the show, what I want to do, Aaron, is we, we prefaced it and talked a little bit about the tailgate podcast already. We talked about the origins and, uh, the content and everything like that. I want to kind of wrap the bow on the tailgate podcast here. And I want to hear like about the future and what um, you think for you personally, the next, you know, couple steps are, and um, what are you probably most excited about? And when, when uh, the tailgate podcast website comes up, are you going to be doing some written work for it? Or how is that going to go? Uh thing I'm most excited about, honestly, with the tailgate is uh, the people involved. I, I really think that we have a good group of guys that uh, really want to make this thing this thing work. And uh, the goals for it, uh, from the beginning, like I prefaced earlier, uh, 
it's just guys that love beer and love to talk about sports. We eventually want to get out into the Kansas City community and do live broadcasts from breweries, uh, try to promote local craft beer and uh, talk sports with more people who are in our industry or in the beer industry that are into sports because there's a lot of them. I'm, I've met a lot of them personally and uh, I think those relationships can can build into something a lot of that's a lot of fun i've already made developed a relationship with uh, the kansas city podcast network and uh racy um i think with her backing us and everything and everything that she brings with her experience in the industry and uh all of our motivations i think that it can become something pretty special we have a, a lot of good ideas going forward and uh yeah i i we have had discussions about doing written articles and we, we plan on eventually sending out a newsletter to uh, uh, give updates on when our podcast will be out, what we'll be talking about, maybe asking some questions to our viewers to try to drive interest that way and do, maybe doing some trivia giveaways. Like we, we're open to all ideas, um, but I, I'm looking forward to, to, building something that's fun for everyone involved. And there's a pretty special group of guys, I think that are, that are involved right now. Well, personally speaking for me, I was, um, I'm very gracious that I was able to be a part of it. Um, I know how passionate you and Ty are about sports from the moment I met Ty, you know, a few years ago. Uh, The first thing we ever talked about was, the fanatical aspects of sports and how it plays in our everyday lives. So I understand the passion is there. Um, Kansas city right now, this has kind of been like a Kansas city plug episode. So I apologize guys. I know you guys are all over the place, but if you've not been to Kansas city, you're missing out. It's not a flyover. We've got more than barbecue. We have great downtown life. It's revitalized after the last few years. We have great breweries and distilleries we have some really good dive bars and some hole-in-the-wall old bootleg uh, secret bars, you know, just some really cool cultural stuff, arcade bars. I guess you could probably say that about anywhere, but Kansas City is pretty cool. I don't know. It's my, my humble opinion. I'm not originally from here. I like how they welcomed me. I'm sure Aaron feels the same uh, being from the corn state, one of the corn states. What, what, what is the, the Iowa technical state? Like, we, are, we are the Hawkeye state. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's, yeah, that's I was testing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I was testing you. Tall corn state. We are the I believe Oklahoma is the red dirt state because Oklahoma means red dirt in Native American. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. We do have better corn than Nebraska, though. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a difference. Well, it's kind of like the California and Florida oranges. I mean, it's it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Well. Here's the part of the show where I get to go ahead and just take us on out. Guys, uh, listeners, please do go back, listen to past episodes. Yesterday I had Harry Gadden on from Odd Shark and 1580 The Fanatic on. That was a fun time. And so uh, we got some really awesome things moving forward. Not going to spoil it too much, but just like today, tomorrow's going to be really fun. And again, at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. And you can find Aaron at A underscore Pasal, P-A-S-S-O-W. And 
Again, this is today in sports betting, a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com, at hoopballgaming. Check out the other hoop ball content. We have Twitter pages for almost every NBA team. So we got hoop ball nets, hoop ball bulls, hoop ball bucks, hoop ball. Uh, I don't think we, I think we have hoop ball raptors. I think we do. We got hoop ball clippers and Lakers and Memphis Grizzlies and Pelicans and all of it, all of it. It's really fun. Check it out if you need some basketball uh, insight. Anyways, hoop ballers, I thank you again. With that, Aaron, I thank you. Any last parting words here for the listeners? Yeah, just. Uh, we will have a new tailgate podcast uh, broadcasting tonight. Uh, Devin will be a part of it. So uh, check that out. It should be on our Facebook page either tonight or tomorrow. Devin, thanks, thanks a lot for having me on. It was a lot of fun talking some sports and some history with you. Absolutely, bud. This will be uh, more times than not here in the coming future. I can definitely see it. I look forward to doing some more work with you and integrating – uh, our collaborative sports coverage. So again, we bid you adieu guys. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to listen to tomorrow's episode, like subscribe, Apple music, share, tell your mom, your grandma, whoever wants to listen. Thank you and take care. I'll see you soon. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.